Hi, my name is JC. And my name is Juan. Welcome to The Couch, a podcast where real therapists talk about real things. Please remember that we are therapists, but we are not your therapists. And this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. Boom, boom. Educational purposes only. Back in the escuela school. Listen, it's like back, back in the back in the who? Back in the where? I'm getting better. I'm learning. But be 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 patient with me. Escuela? Mm. Yeah, escuela, si. What was that movie where it was like, um, it was something funny. And, they, and that's what they said. They were like, escuela, si. But they were pretending that they knew Spanish and that's all they knew. Uh, I don't know, but honestly, that low-key sounds like me on the very lowest of keys. That's funny. I'm excited uh, about today. Yo, I'm super excited because family relationships. Oh, by the way, we're talking about family relationships today. Family mm. has such a near and dear place to my heart. I love working with families. I love talking about the work that is done with families and your family relationships are the first relationships you ever have. Um, You know, whether it's your family of origin an adoptive family, a found family, you take these folk and you are bound to them for better or worse from a variety of different components. And it really sets the stage for how you create the rest of your relationships in your life, the way that you interact with your family. It does. You know, this is, um, this is such a big topic, like just throwing it out there, you know, episode two, season two, season two, we're talking all about relationships. And now for episode two, family relationships. And our goal here, JC, is to um, be a resource, you know, for individuals to hop on the couch. You and I are therapists, but we're not, you know, listeners, we're not your therapists. (laughs) <laughs> We're hopeful that you utilize, you utilize this as a comfy couch and you learn and you grow and you make moves and you fall and you get better at standing up. Family relationships, it's deep. Like it's it's one of those topics, I'll tell you as a clinician, it just goes, it goes so deep into like this core and there's like this cultural component to it. And then there's there's just so much in there that can make it complicated and simple and profound. So where, where do we even start? Well, I think we should start at the very beginning, which is a very good place 3, to start. 3,000 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can go back that far. That's from Lord of the Rings when they're like, start at the beginning. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I can go back that far. Listen here, you nerd. It's I'm okay. Nerd, I'm nerding out. Listen, we love you all the same. Um, let's start with just what a family dynamic is. So you may have heard me throw out those words that I used earlier, your family of origin. So this is the family that you came from. Now, how you end up in your family of origin is differently. If you're born into the family biologically, if you were adopted into a family or by any other means you came to be in a family system. Everyone does. Um, The dynamic of a family, what we tend to think of is very heteronormative. So for like the purposes of being as neutral as possible, I'm going to use the words parents and siblings, Mm -hmm. not mom and dad and brother and sisters, because I don't know what your family looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. But your parents, your siblings, perhaps a lack thereof, um, it all sets the tone for how you interact 
And the first relationship that you honestly ever have is with the person who births you. Um, Mm -hmm. I was reading something earlier and I will fact check it. And I will find this article um, that babies at uh, for the first six months of their life, they don't know any difference between their body and their, like the person who birthed them. So like their body and their mother's body, they have no difference. Like they don't think about it. Um, which is super interesting to me. And, you know, it goes deep. Like Juan said earlier, you can talk about those attachment wounds or the uh, dysfunction of attachment. Honestly, I feel like I'm going to go like all over the place because there's so many different things to consider when it comes to the family dynamic. But I would actually want to ask you, Juan, what are some things that you see in a healthy family dynamic or what are some things you think about when you think of healthy family dynamics? Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you threw that level of like integrity and respect as we have this episode. We, I think sometimes as a society, we're, and we're, you're not in North Carolina, uh, and you know, you could be listening to this podcast all over the world. So there's cultural elements there. So I think the usage going away from mom and dad, um, not highlighting a negative negative element to that, just more of a broad openness to parent. Sometimes I even like to use guardian um, oh, yeah. or, or microsystem, you know, who was, who was there in that mm-hmm. microsystem because, you know, the, the child could have um, not had bio mom there and maybe was mm-hmm. in foster care and maybe from one home to another home. And by the time I'm working with them as a clinician, it's, it's a microsystem of, of just different individuals that showed up and supported them in their development through life. So there's not the title, this is mom or this is dad. It's maybe this is a person, you know, Bob, who let me live there for a blank amount of time. And then, you know, just, so it's just important to think about that because that makes up an individual's life story um, versus right away, you know, I'm sitting down as a clinician and, and asking the person or insinuating, you know, who is mom or who is dad. Um, mm-hmm. So here with, with, your, with your question of what makes up a, uh, what are the healthy elements that I look for or encourage individuals to develop in a, a family system? One of them, and it's it's a tough one, is boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And, and boundaries is such a large term. You know, it, it's everything from knocking on your child's door before going in, right? And that example I, mm-hmm. I like to play with, you know, because maybe the parent goes, Last I checked, I pay the bills. Why am I knocking mm. on the door? Right. So, and it's like, like it's like, yes. Just to be kind. Right. It's like, yes, there's, there's a truth to that. But let's go a little bit deeper. Right. A boundary is a space of respecting each other's space, respecting each other's autonomy and, and so forth. So if you skip over that and your voice becomes stronger, and then there's that inferior superior relationship, and you go, well, I don't need to knock on the door. Because, you know, I pay the bills, right? That becomes a teaching moment. And then maybe now the child learns from that. And as they go through life, they allow other people to invade their space. Mm-hmm. And, and that, 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 that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a very difficult, that's a very difficult life to live where, you know, people are invading your space and there's marks that we go through life, such as the, maybe that, that parent that just goes right in there. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. this happens in all scenarios. I'm just giving you examples of the listener to identify 
why that boundary is important and how it can be significant in a negative or in a positive way to an individual's life. There's no 100% likelihood that this will happen, but we're just playing with this hypothetical case. So boundaries Mm -hmm. is an area that I look for in a a healthy family dynamic. Um, I also look for, and it's a broad term, communication. Communication Mm -hmm. with elements, elements of safety. You know, does does the child who's five years old feel safe to tell the dad maybe maybe something without fear that the dad will yell at him? Mm -hmm. Does the fifteen year old feel safe again to come home with an F? Or do they feel that that's gonna cause a level of rejection? Um, the adult child, you know. Just, just really looking at that, looking at communication, you being able to communicate and share these items within your family system. Um, so that's that's one element there within it from a cultural component. Uh, there's there's different cultures that use the term in different ways, and it's like don't throw out your dirty laundry. Yeah. Right. Um, and and myself as a um, I was born in Dominican Republic as a Latino, and a Latinx now is the, the term. The that, that's very common, um, and I'll, I'll just speak from my direction, not representing everyone here in this category or population, mm-hmm. um, but that's a very common item there where it's, you know, if things go on, you keep them right here. You know, we don't need to be spreading all of this like wildfire everywhere. And and that that is an unhealthy element in a family system and individual's life. The one way to really look at it that can give it simplicity is, if you're holding on to something, and I'm gonna go back into being a nerd here to like Spider-Man and Venom. And, <laughs> and, and, and Venom, right, he's got this host that takes over the, the human body. And it's not a good host, like it's bad. So when we hold on to things and we live by this motto of don't throw out your dirty laundry, well, dirty laundry stinks. And it's this mm-hmm. item you're holding on to. And, and over time, it's gonna have more and more influence over you. And that influence, it, it's negative. There's a toxic element to it. And, and that's why it's so likely to go from that to generational trauma, like a consistency of that happening over and over and over from great-grandparents to grandparents to your parents and then so forth. So th- those are a few elements. There's, there's many more. Why don't you jump on for a little bit? Yeah, um, first of all, fantastic all of those things i very much so agree with and i can let you know from a cultural aspect you know growing up in the black community very similar you know keep family business family business also this Mm -hmm. idea of family secrets which then turn into generational curses you know if you don't have the information of things that have happened in the family that were wholly detrimental you can repeat those things and like fall into that cycle and it's just you know it's no good uh you talked about that safety and communication and i'm going to piggyback off of what i just said and you know i'm gonna talk just a little bit about honesty Mm -hmm. in a healthy family dynamic um i don't think that you need to share every single personal detail that you have with all of your family members all the time, but being honest with your children 
about struggles that you've had or being honest with your siblings about the way that things have affected you, being honest with your aunts and uncles when they're pushing those boundaries that you don't want them to push uh, and knowing that there is space to be honest and open, it does so much good for the relationship because like you said, dirty laundry is going to start to stink and you can look as good as you want, but if you're wearing dirty clothes, other people are going to notice it on you. Mm -hmm. So in order to, you know, launder these clothes you have to be willing to be honest and admit that they stink you have to be willing to be honest and say okay you know what i do need to to put this out there so it just that's also something that makes up a healthy family component also closeness I don't think you need to be like the most tight knit family, but healthy families typically have a component of some sort of closeness. You might be closer to one sibling than the other. You might be closer to one parent than the other. And honestly, so long as it doesn't lead to the alienation of other folk in your family, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm one of four and I can say for sure that my relationships with all of my siblings very different. My relationship with my brother, my relationship with my two older sisters, very drastically, mostly because we're all different people. Mm-hmm. And understanding that these family members aren't just the folk you're stuck with, but they're other human beings too, mm-hmm. um, that are going to have different thoughts, feelings, ideas than you is incredibly important to making sure that you're respecting each other, honoring each other and living a healthy family life. Yeah. And, you know, with, within that, as you're, as you're developing, I often find that in a family system, you're like, you're becoming more of you, your authentic self, you're growing. And this is, this is really interesting. Um, and the thing is not the best educated word here, but we use it. <laughs> that happens, right? You have all these children that go up in a house. We use that example. And there's, Mm -hmm. we use four since you threw out four and they come out of the same home and they're different. Mm -hmm. And then you go, wow, you know, this one's introvert. This one's extrovert. You know, this one's into science and this one's into nature. Yet they came from the same system. Mm -hmm. And, And we know that that's very common because people are different. And, you know, from the moment maybe a child begins school, they're exposed to all of these different things that the other sibling is not exposed to. And then they have different friends and different TV shows and et cetera, et cetera. So all of these reasons and also, you know, they themselves are different. So what takes place is that as the child develops and they get older, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to focus on that they become more of who they are. And as Mm -hmm. they're becoming more of who they are, that can create a clash in the family system. Yeah. Because maybe for so long they took on a role. Maybe for so long they were the overachiever right? The one that made the family proud. And, and now they're like, you know, I'm, I'm getting into my own skin. You know, I just want to drop all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I got money in the bank. I'm gonna go buy some land. I'm gonna start a farm. I don't need all mm-hmm. this stuff. And maybe the family, the family comes from wealth and they come from means and they come from status. And that is not to use the word. That's not acceptable. They even say, yeah. we, they go, we don't do this, mm-hmm. which is a little, fun note there 
those are terms typically you want to steer away from. Right, you can say, I don't do this. But if you're insinuating, we don't do this, and you're right away highlighting that the person there has no control over their life or their autonomy. Mm-hmm. So in, in that instance, what can happen is this clash that the child who once took on a role now takes a different one, and that goes against this family system. That's going to require communication. It's going to require understanding and, and back and forth, really getting to know one another in this new space and acceptance. You know, accept me as I am. I accept you as you are. And that can be very difficult for family systems. Well, if they can get through it, of course, that can be beautiful. I often find the difficulty, it's rooted in the vision that we have for someone else, the expectation that we have for them. Like I expect my my child to be this way or my parent to be this way versus acceptance of who they are. And then looking at, okay, do I want to continue a relationship with this person knowing who they are? I tell you what, you preaching, okay? You are preaching. You seen Ted Lasso? You seen Ted? You yes, seen Ted? You yes I have. With all the, yes, I like, have. You're like, God, talk. <laughs> we should do the couch and then we'll start barking. And that'll be our motto. No, I'm good. I'm good. We, we could move. We could move. N- move. But listen, if you like it, I love it. However, comma, I'm going to not participate. Your pass. But I love your, I, I love this desire that you have to be so open with yourself. I love this for you. Um, but it is not for me. And that's okay. Um, which actually really ties into what we just talked about, which is like, you know, being able to let go of the expectation of the family system, which is so hard. You know, there's a mourning process that goes into seeing your children grow and change and become very different than what you may have thought you know, like, oh, my son is so tall. He's going to play basketball. He's going to make it to the NBA. He going to get us out the hood. It's going to be great. And then your son ends up really, really enjoying floristry. He enjoys mm-hmm. botany and he opens a florist shop and he's still wildly successful, but it's not the vision you had for him. And as we grow as people, our relationships change with our family members. I talk a lot to my clients about how being a child of somebody as a literal child and being the adult child of somebody, two very different things, because you've had a lifetime to become someone different than what they may have ever had the wildest dream about. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you as an adult to... mm, I want to say examine. I mean, I'll use the word examine. It's up to you as an adult to examine that relationship and see if it's actually good for you. And that can be jarring, difficult, heartbreaking, because at the end of the day, all you want is that closeness that we talked about in episode one. You want that connection. But what happens when that connection isn't sustainable? What happens if it doesn't serve you? What happens if it's not purposeful? Um, And how do you balance duty to family and your peace of mind? Can you balance those two things? I personally think that you can, but Mm -hmm. it's not the case in all cases. You know, every sibling has a different relationship with their sibling and every sibling has a different set of parents. 
you might have grown up with the same guardians mm-hmm. or parents, but y'all all had very different experiences with them. And you have to be willing to keep that in mind and pay attention to it in order to sustain and maintain those relationships you created in your family system. Very well put. That's that's often not spoken enough about, you know, really recognizing that each sibling, as you share, I'm going to repeat what you just said, has a different relationship with a parent. And I think when mm-hmm. siblings acknowledge that, it can support with sibling rivalry. Yes. You know, sometimes a child may see the other one. It's like, ah, oh, you're getting all the attention. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you see it from that perspective. However, you're not in the perspective of the parent um, or in the perspective of the other child. Maybe the other child doesn't want all of that attention. But maybe the parent feels that they need that specific attention to provide maybe a certain, fill a certain hole. Um, and, of course, here I'm not highlighting um well, I'll use the term negative parenting in respect to uh, share, uh, giving love to one child more than the other. I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting more of a healthy component where there's two kids and the parent may have to provide them with something a little bit different. When I, when I work with family systems and this comes up, I often give them the example of, let's say you have a five-year-old and you got a 12-year-old and they both do something wrong. They both take cookies from the cookie jar. The... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and we'll say 17-year-old and a five-year-old. And the parent tells the 17-year-old, all right, give me your car keys. Right, gives them a consequence. Uh, but why? Why the car keys? Because the 17-year-old, that's that's where it hits home. Like they're an extrovert. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to learn right there. The five-year-old, the five-year-old likes to read. That's their thing. They like to read right before they go to bed. And the parent goes, you know what? The consequence here before bed, we're going we're gonna, to we're skip reading. Right. And those mm-hmm. siblings now, they have the opportunity to go, why don't you take my car keys away? Well, you don't drive. <laughs> no, but yeah. you, you, you can see the difference in, in discipline. Um, however, if you're just judging the parent, you may feel that they're providing something incorrect. Like the, they want the same consequence. So, so it's important to look at it that way. Uh, at the same time as the parent, since we're discussing family dynamic, it's vital to communicate with the family system on the topic of consequences. You know, so if you do have kids, and we're just going to say they're closer in age, and you're providing different uh, disciplinary actions, talk about those. You know, being able to highlight, this is why I'm providing this consequence. It, it's important to educate while giving some sort of discipline that, inc- that promotes um, positive behavioral change uh, versus the child does something, they get in trouble, and you're hoping, you're crossing your fingers that they know and, can, and they can connect the dots that they're in trouble based on what they're, they did. And now they're going to magically learn some lesson that you're hoping they're going to learn, you know, bringing in that sense of communication. Yeah, absolutely. I love that example. I think that is a really good visualization for some of the challenges that parents may feel. And, you know, the thing about family dynamic is that we're not going to be able to talk about every single individual piece of the family. But one thing that we can talk about is that it is okay to have challenges as a family. It does not negate the validity of your family. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It literally just means that you are growing and changing. Mm -hmm. There is no manual to parenthood. There's no manual to siblinghood, being an older brother or being like the oldest sibling, being the youngest sibling. There's no guide to it. So if you're struggling with 
finding your role and being comfortable in that role, it's totally okay. Yeah. And you know what what helps in those is acknowledging exactly what JC is sharing, where it's okay, and then talking about that too. You know, bringing it in. Uh, I find I find this extremely instrumental with um, family systems that have adult children when they're able to talk about that elephant in the room. And maybe the adult child comes up and says, hey, you know, here's some areas of disappointment that aren't going well. And often what the parent may do is kind of just nod and or, or maybe become defensive and give all the reasons of why whatever went down went down. If if in there, you know, you relate to what JC is sharing and you're like, I, you know, I just I didn't have the manual. I, I, I didn't know. Talk about that. Share that vulnerability. You know, it, it could be, you know, my, my, my child, my son, my, my daughter, whatever it may mean. And then going into that sense of vulnerability, let them see that inner world of yours. Um, that that's a that skill. You can pull that skill and transfer it into many relationships, getting to know the inner world of people that brings you closer. It reduces your walls. It makes you less. It reduces that need to want to protect yourself, to want to defend yourself, because that person is being vulnerable. They're willing to shed that layer, and and we know that when we shed layers and we're vulnerable, it's easier to be poked at. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the key reasons why it helps the relationships really nurture. Oh, absolutely. And vulnerability in a family space can feel very odd, especially if you come out of cultures that are more hush-hush or a little bit more tight-lipped about what goes on in the family system. Please understand that it's going to be beneficial. It just depends on how it'll be beneficial, why it'll be beneficial to you, and how we can get close to each other while maintaining what family means to us, like maintaining the integrity of the family and learning when the integrity of that family system may be no more and how you move forward and rebuild other just as fulfilling and just as meaningful relationships. Yeah. Taking time to see what those meaningful relationships are with um with, with this big topic here of family dynamic and looking at yours um and I know JC you and I touched on uh, birth order mm-hmm. so there's 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 research I think that really pulls it in many directions I think some highlight you know not a strong significance there and birth order let's see Adler right yes we pulled okay. him up in the last episode that's right that's right but he's Alfred in the Adler. right place today yeah <laughs> he's in the right place today there we go and you know he brought up this psychological birth order um, way back when now again from what I recall uh, from my, my master's and doctorate study, there's there's data on both ends, you know, some that don't show a significant predictor, um, some that do when it comes to identifying what's going to take place. With birth order, there's, um, you have to help me here, this firstborn um, child and personality there is typically um, reliable. They're, they're maybe overachiever. They typically have some mm-hmm. structure and organization to them. Yep, you're absolutely right. They are, you know, people pleasers. They follow the rule to the T, um, typically seen as maybe a little bit bossy or nosy mm-hmm. um, for the firstborns. 
which if you're the oldest sibling and this resonates with you, we promise this is not a call out. We're just telling you <laughs> yeah. what we know. <laughs> and this can differ too if you're the only child. So this will be, um, those are with a set of three. So if you're the first one and then you've got uh, a middle and then you got a, a younger. Mm-hmm. Um, with the middle, typically, I always like to look at the middle one as like this peacemaker. Yes. Um, and you can, sometimes you can think about the middle too as the one that kind of may get lost there in the mix. Um, so that could be why they take on that role of peacemaker. They're seeing maybe a lot of the attention on older, attention on younger. So then they look at, you know, where do I sit in here? And coming with peacemaker, you may also see some behaviors of uh, people pleasing. Yes, absolutely. Um, they also may have like strong justice alignments in terms of feeling like, okay, this thing is unfair or I'm not getting the same thing that they're getting. And they will call you to task. They'll tell you when things are not equal. Um, those middle, those middle kids. Meanwhile, you've got the last in birth order who is typically going to, um, have those stereotypical traits. So, you know, a little bit self-centered, kind of pampered or possibly spoiled, but mm -hmm. usually very creative, outgoing. They feel like they can take more risks and they might be competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Attention seeking. I think that's a key one there. Mm -hmm. So if you're and wait, wait, there's, there's one more, right? There's, there's the only child, which re yes. can relate to that firstborn. Um, but with that one, there's, there's that element of perfectionist. So you may see that sometimes that comes with that strong expectation from the parents. Um, there's, there's a term too, uh, where my brain's going to like young adult, little adults, you know, where, where parents uh, have an only child and they're, they're seeing them as the little adult. Oh and, yeah. And that can with your only child, you know, it can it can create that it can make them feel okay i'm i'm this young kid and i'm taking on this adult like role so with it there could be elements of uh leadership in them um, mm -hmm. elements of perfectionist so I'll, I'll highlight that one again um also demanding or unforgiving um unwilling to kind of provide that grace for other people. And we're giving you, again, we're giving you these traits according to our friend, Alfred Adler. And these are not always the ways that your birth order will make you act, but they typically have some truth to them. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not mean or demanding, it's okay. Like, that's fine. <laughs> I promise it's not an attack, but it's really interesting to look at these things and think about it for yourself and where you fall in the birth order of your family. Yeah. And this is a nice uh, shift right here. Let's shift into the personal growth challenge uh, for family dynamic for episode two. You want to go first or second? Um, I'll go second this time. Nice. I was hoping you go first. That way I can get myself organized. Can, <laughs> if you can, need I, me to go to first, I'm more than happy to go first. I got it. I got it. So let's see. Episode two, it starts at home familial relationships. You know, again, this is such a big topic and there's, you know, everything from like adoption to blended families, only child, um, 
said divorce, you know, we didn't even get into that. Co-parenting, there's so many elements that go into a healthy family dynamic that are just weaved mm-hmm. in there within each of the uh, of, of those foundations, really. So mm-hmm. let's see, the personal growth challenge I want, I want you to really look at is roles. Find, find space with your family system to talk about for like an open, curious point of view, right? Like what are the roles that everyone's taking in the family and are they okay with those roles? Ooh. Right. Um, being able to talk with the kids, you know, it's okay if they're little, if they're, if they're six or they're seven um, and to talk with parents, with different individuals, bring them in and then look at, hey, you know, what, what do you see your role here? Roles like a job. You know, what, what do you see a role in the family? Mm-hmm. And hopefully something comes out. Hopefully some, something comes out. It could, be, it could be hard to hear. It could be difficult to hear. And as you, as you maneuver through that, you're going to get some feedback. Try to do a little research to identify what, what does that mean? What is, that, what is a healthy role? And then as you build upon that, you're going to notice that when people show up in roles that they feel connected to, you know, they level up really, you know, if, and you think about that, if you're listening to this and you hold a job and imagine that your job, you got to do your role a little different, maybe with more mm-hmm. of your say, so like, okay, I get to do it in this way. Cause this fits me more than likely it'll shift. Maybe your attitude, your energy, your safety, all of those elements that maybe need a tweak So play, play with that for a little bit. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting exercise to do with your family system. Um, and honestly, I definitely think I'm about to take that home. I'm about to call my parents right now and be like, excuse you, what's your role? Um, <laughs> They're like, can't hear but, you. Shh, phone's going out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> literally, that. they'll be like, wow, that's crazy. And just hang up. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of us who don't have that same closeness with our family system, or maybe we feel like we don't have a family system at all, I want you for your personal growth challenge from me to take some time and jot down some thoughts of what family means to you and what type of family you'd like to build in the future. How would you like to expand your family system? Do you want to get closer to your friends and see them as siblings? Do you and your partner want dogs instead of children? Is your church family enough family for you? You know, Think about how you define family and see mm. if the way your family system functions right now is comfortable and fits that desire. I like that one. Yeah, both, both, both of those, you know, run with them. Again, you know, I know JC and I stand on this. Our hope is that as you're coming in, you're acknowledging we're not your therapist. You know, we're therapists, but we're not your therapist. <laughs> we do want you to utilize the resource. You know, there's, there's resources around you, you know, all the way from a self-help book at Barnes and Noble to this podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I find, this could be, I may be putting two little growth hints here. I find accountability goes a long way. So yeah. at, at times um, when I want to do certain things in life, um, I'll find somebody. I have a buddy of mine right now. He wants to run a 50 mile, 50, yeah, 50K. Yeah, 50K. That's what it is. And then he's over there texting me, talking about, do mm-hmm. I want to do it with him? Boy, crazy. But the point is, (laughs) point is, I may do it. I may do it. Because from the point of accountability, I know it's going to support him. 
So I want you to think about in your life accountability. Maybe share this podcast, tell them what you're doing, tell them what you're listening to, and then create the system around it so that you know, you're, you're buddying up and you're supporting each other as you're going forward. Yeah. And if you hear something on this podcast that piques your interest and, you know, sparks up deeper conversations and you realize that you do need additional support, we encourage you to go and seek your own therapist. Or if you're currently seeing someone bring some of these questions into the room Mm -hmm. and see if your therapist can help you do some more intentional work around them. Good point. Absolutely. All right. Episode two, season two. We will see you next time. We'll see you in the next episode.